Welcome to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, CEO and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Richard Eisenberg. Richard was, until recently, the managing editor of Next Avenue, the public media website for people 50 plus, and the editor of the site's money and policy and work and purpose channels. He was our guest for episode 197 of 321i Relaunch, during which we discussed career progression trends for the over 50 worker, how COVID has impacted those trends, and his predictions about what working behaviors will look like post-COVID. Since that conversation, Richard has retired from Next Avenue to start his unretirement, quote, as, as he calls it. In this episode, we ask him to turn the lens on himself and discuss his personal career journey, as well as his thought process, expectations, and timing for his own unretirement. Richard, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thank you, Carol. It's great to be back. And congratulations on what a great year you had at iRelaunch. I saw that you had your 30th Return to Work conference and your first virtual employer summit. So it's been a big year for you guys. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for noting that. It, it has been a big year. Uh, you know, COVID has has brought on so many changes for our, our world and our, every everything about the way we live. And um, it has also caused uh, changes in the way we uh, work at iRelaunch. Uh, and it's really put a spotlight on, on the work that we're doing in, in many ways. So yeah, it has been quite a year. And thank you for mentioning that. Um, so let's just get right in into it. And I want to know if you can um, first tell us a little bit about your career path. Sure. Um, so I spent 43 years as a personal finance and career journalist. I was a fact checker, a writer, a Washington correspondent at Money Magazine. I worked at Money for about 19 years. Uh, I was at Good Housekeeping for about 10 years uh, as the money editor, special projects director. I worked at Yahoo for about a year and a half as a front page finance editor. And then I was lucky enough to be part of the launch team at Next Avenue uh, back in 2011. And as you say, it's a website from PBS for people in their 50s and 60s trying to help people navigate their lives. And and I was also the, the money and the work editor, as you say. So uh, I, I wrote and edited a lot of stories about retirement planning. So I tried to learn a few things along the way. Well, I'm, it's so interesting to hear your background and also very appreciative of the perspective that you bring um, with all the history of writing about money and finances and, and, and managing the financial side of your life, because we, we are going to want to get into that um, in part of our discussion. Uh, so tell us, uh, you use this term unretirement. We use it a little bit differently, but I'm really interested in how you define unretirement and how it differs from retirement. Sure. Well, you know, I think the word retirement uh, is kind of a pejorative these days. When people hear the, somebody's retired or they even talk about it, first of all, a lot of people think, oh, you know, that's a terrible thing. I don't want to ever retire. And I think what they mean by that is retiring the way maybe our parents and their parents defined it, which is to say you stop work altogether and you have a life of leisure if you're lucky. Um, and that's the way you spend all your days. And to me, that's just not the way a lot of people retire these days. Some people do, and that's great. But a lot of people are doing what I'm trying to do, which is to um, 
not retire from life. So I'm still writing and editing part-time, some for Next Avenue. I'm talking to a lot of places that are interested in working with me and places that I'm interested in working for. Um, I'm weighing different opportunities. I'm saying yes to some things and no to some things. Um, I'm looking for opportunities to do some more volunteering, some mentoring. Um, I'm hoping to travel if COVID-19 will let me do that. Um, so to me, that's my version of unretirement. Um, and and I, you know, I'm going to be busy because that's just the kind of person I am, but I don't want to work full time every day. And so far, so good. Wow. Well, it's really interesting and refreshing to hear you talk about the concept of, I guess, life after traditional career um, in, the, in the way you're describing it. At iRelaunch, just to clarify for our listeners, we call unretiring from retirement when people actually relaunch back into the workforce because they decided for one reason or another, and sometimes it could be financial or sometimes it just wasn't how that traditional view of retirement um, end up panning out that they come back into the workforce in a more formal way. You're, you're describing it totally differently. And I really appreciate um, the nuances there. And also the way you look at it, it's, it's really all about opportunity sounds like. And, and, and I, and that outlook is, is, is really interesting, especially um, to those of us who, you know, are, are in an age group where we're looking at retirement over the next five, 10 or however many years, um, it's really interesting to see how the definition of it is already changing just by people like you, Richard, who are, are, are living a very different kind of retirement or unretirement than, than um, has, has been uh, like traditionally lived. So can you tell us a little bit about the thought process that led to your decision to unretire from Next Avenue, and how did you know the timing was right? Was it a moment? Was it something you've been planning for a long period of time? How did you figure out that part of it? Um, well, I loved my job, um, and I probably could have continued to do it for you know some time as long as they would have let me. But I, I'd been thinking about making this switch for a while. And I guess I felt like I'd been there 10 years as of November. I thought that was a nice round number. I turned 65 last year, another kind of round number. And I guess I kind of felt maybe the gods were saying something to me. But I, I also mm. felt like um, I, I, I'm really proud of what I've done at Next Avenue. I'm proud of what Next Avenue has become. Um, I felt like it was time to let somebody else give it a try, do the money in the work channels. Uh, I'm really excited that one of my colleagues at Next Avenue is the new managing editor taking over from what I was doing. I think she's a perfect choice for that, and I'm glad that she has the opportunity for that. But I'm eager to see what the next money in work editor at Next Avenue has in mind and how they will be doing it in a way that might be different than, than I did it. And I guess I also felt like this was a time, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm mostly healthy uh, and, you know, we all have some issues, but but I felt like it was a time in my life that I want to take advantage of the fact that I am in pretty good health and I um, and there are things I want to be doing and, and haven't done or haven't had as much time to do. And I felt like if I waited too much longer, who knows what the future could hold? I might not be able to. So I want to do it while I could. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that kind of leads into my next question, which I'm guessing you get asked a lot. And that is, what are your unretirement plans? And, and 
is your, do you recommend um, having gone through this or that now that you're going through this in real time, do you think it's better to map it out or is it better to leave most of it undefined? Well, I'll start by saying I've only been at it for three weeks. So it's a little early <laughs> to be much of an expert on this. But, but I will mm-hmm. say, um, I do think it's good for people to map this out as much as they can. You know, who knows what the future holds for any of us. So it's impossible to know exactly what life after full-time work might look like. But I do think it's a good idea to think about what you want it to be. And, you know, what are the things you know you want to try to do, even if you're not sure exactly how you'll do them? Um where you want to do them. If you have a spouse or a partner that you discuss it all with your spouse or partner to be sure that they're aware of what you're thinking about doing, because uh, we've written about too many stories on Next Avenue of couples who never had that conversation and had very different ideas of what their retirement was going to be like. And, and it became a problem for them because they were just not in the on the same page. Um, you know, Tom Brady recently uh, was asked about whether he was going to be retiring from football after his last game. And, and he said, well, he hasn't figured it out yet. He's not sure. You know, he'll see. And, you know, he may know, but he's not telling us. But it sounds like he really hasn't thought about it a lot. And I really think it's important to think about it, you know, whether it's five years or, or so before you expect to actually make that move or what. Um, I, I think that the people who have the hardest time are the ones who just one day stop working full time with no idea of what their life is going to be after that. And they they know what they're retiring from. They don't know what they're retiring to. Um, mm. I interviewed recently um, a, a financial planner named Tony Hickson, who wrote a really fascinating book called Retirement Stepping Stones. And it came out of his mo- own mother's experience. His mother had been a hospice nurse for many years, loved her job, decided it was time to retire, didn't know what she was going to do after that, and sadly fell into a very deep depression in retirement because she lost her sense of purpose and meaning mm. and sadly took her own life. And And Tony felt like he needed to write a book about how to help people avoid that happening to them and why it's so important to think about what you want to get out of life if once you retire, if you retire um, and he's changed his whole financial planning practice. So it's no longer all about how much money do you have and where are you investing, but he has a life coach as one of his advisors. And I think that's a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's that financial planning piece and there's the identity piece. Uh, when I talk to people um, who are retired or, or are contemplating it, I see them fall into these two camps. One of them is I don't want to pre-commit to something that I might then later find something else that I'm even more interested in, but now I can't do it because I already pre-committed. And also the people who um, are uncomfortable if they're asked the question, oh, you're so you're retiring. What are your plans? And they don't want to say nothing or I don't know yet. And then there are the other people and I actually had one person say this to me who was who was retiring and said, you know what? I needed to have an elevator pitch. I realized I was not comfortable saying I'm not sure or, uh, you know, I'm still thinking about it. So I had to figure it out and then be able to talk about what I was doing. So I'm just wondering um, if you have any comments on all of that. Yeah, well, I love the idea of an elevator pitch. I do think it's helpful to to be able to articulate how you view where you are in, in life. Uh, and that said, 
Um, I think people should understand that they don't need to feel like they have to commit to a decision about what they're going to do and stick to it. And if it doesn't work out, to get depressed about that. I, I think this time of life, once you leave full-time work, is a great time to experiment. Um, there's another person I interviewed over the years who wrote a book about what he calls the tapas life. You know, tapas, when you go to a, a, a restaurant and you have a, lots of little appetizers, you try them all out. Well, he thinks, and I think yeah. it's a great idea to think of that as in this time of life where you say, well, I'm going to try out some part-time work maybe or volunteering. And you know what? It may be that the place you think you're going to volunteer in, you even try it and it's just not a good fit, or you decide that the kind of work you thought you wanted to do, you didn't, or something comes along. I mean, I think it's good to leave yourself open to possibilities, but also to have an idea of the kinds of things you think you want to do and pursue them and, and also be open to other ideas. You know, I love this tapas idea, and it's reminding me of what we tell younger people when they're early in their career that be in exploratory mode, you know, for the for the first few years, because you don't really know exactly what, what's going to uh, work for you. And it's good to try a lot of different things. Now, here, it's slightly different because we're very much fully formed as people. And we have certain ideas about ourselves, about where our interests and skills are strongest and what we love to do. We, we, we feel like we know ourselves pretty well, but it's a new context. So I, I love this idea of um, being back in exploratory mode again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in some ways, it's a little bit like um, adolescence and starting to figure out who you are and, and what matters to you. But as you say, now that we're grownups, um, it's also a time for us to think about, well, what, what are we good at and what are our skills? And maybe the kind of work or volunteering we're going to do isn't necessarily what we've been doing for our careers, but uses some of those transferable skills that things that you're really good at that you could be doing in other ways. So I feel like people should not limit themselves to say, well, since I've done this, I'll just keep doing that. I'll just do less of it. That's fine. Some people may want to do that, but it may be that you'll want to say to yourself, well, I'm good at this and I think I can do it in this way. Let me give that a try. You know, some people also go back to um, hobbies and passions that they had when they were kids that they've put aside for a long time. They're they're playing piano again or violin or or art or painting or they're picking or they're doing it after years of wanting to do it, but but never doing it before. This is a great time to try to pursue some of those passions too. Yeah, you know, I know that I'm not planning to retire for, for a long time, but I do have sort of a list of things that I'm thinking, well, when that time happens, you know, there's a hundred books I want to read and there are certain projects I, I want to work on. I was thinking, I want to try to learn to code. You know, I just want to see can I do it or is it am I way out of my league? So like I have sort of this mental list, but it feels like it's just hanging there and it's way out there. Um, so who knows what it'll be like when I'm actually in the retirement or unretirement mode. Um, you know, Richard, I want to switch to talking about um, the financial side of it. And I want to know if you can tell us, you know, you ex you have interviewed so many people and have thought and discussed the whole concept of m financial management and at different stages of life. Did you take a lot of what you learned and employ it in um, in your own financial planning for your unretirement? Well, I better have done that. Otherwise, I'm a complete fraud. Uh, <laughs> I, th I think I did. Well, you know, I, I've started saving and investing for the future since I was in my 20s. 
Um, I didn't know what the future was going to hold, but I just knew it was important to do that because you can't count on your employers to do that the way they used to. So, so that I did for a long time, both for myself and also we have, my wife and I have two grown sons and we wanted to help pay for them their college. So I saved and invested a lot for that. Um, so I did all that. But also, you know, once I hit my 50s, I wanted to look for ways to get rid of debt. So we were able to finally pay off the mortgage early, uh, pay off the car loans. We have two cars that are perfectly fine cars. They're nothing fancy, nothing exceptional. They're not new. Um, but they're paid off and we're not planning to replace them anytime soon. Um, so I, I really want to focus on building up my savings and investments, reducing my debt so that I could be in a point in life financially where I felt like I didn't have major financial worries. Now we all have you know financial issues. I'm concerned about long-term care one day. That could be a problem. Um, healthcare costs are still expensive. Um, now I'm on Medicare, and that was a, a journey in its own right, which we can talk about now or some other time. Um, mm-hmm. so, but, but I do feel like I, I did the right things to prepare myself. Um, you know, I've been lucky because for many of the years that I've been working, the stock market's done very well. There were some years it didn't, but I held on and, and it bounced back. And so, you know, not everybody's going to be that lucky, but I have been, and I was lucky with, with the house that we live in in New Jersey. It's, it's grown in value over time. Um, so, you know, I can't crank, claim any credit for that other than, you know, investing early and sticking with it and buying a home as early as we could and, and staying with that too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Richard, you mentioned Medicare and I'm thinking, let's talk about that now. Can you, I don't know if people think it through or even know what it means to all of a sudden get Medicare. Do you fill out forms? Like what happens? Well, it, it is kind of a mess. Um, and I will mm-hmm. say that what would help my wife and I, we both from 65 is that we work with a Medicare consultant who helped us find the right supplemental policies. I, I'm sure we could have done it, but I felt better knowing that we were in the hands of somebody who does this for a living, who's unbiased, and that was really helpful. But I will say that you know, soon before, shortly before you're 65, you want to start looking into Medicare. Now, there's I won't go into all the details, but there's Part A, Part B. Um, Part A is free, and everybody should sign up for that before they turn 65 or as they're turning 65, just so that you're you're on Medicare and that you're not paying a penalty for not signing up on time. And then if you if you're still working and you have employer coverage, you don't need to sign up for Part B because your employer is, is paying your coverage. But at the point at which you're going to not have employer coverage, then you definitely want to sign up for Part B, and then you probably want to get a supplemental policy, which is uh, and a prescription drug policy. So there's a lot lots of moving parts, um, and you can change your mind, you know. But but it's Medicare and, and the government don't make it easy to do this. So it takes a while and uh, it's easy to get frustrated and make mistakes. But I would just tell people to persevere, but not put it off to the last minute either. Are there certain resources? I, I, I know it sounds like, you know, used an expert, but if you're not using an expert, are there certain online resources, maybe something on Next Avenue that you would point people toward? Well, it's true. The Next Avenue has written quite a few stories about uh, enrolling for Medicare. In fact, we did one recently about a woman who just did it and she talked about her whole experience doing it. So there's that. Um, Medicare itself has a very good um, booklet that you can either read online or have sent to you, which is, has all the rules. That's helpful. And every state has what's called a SHIP plan, S-H-I-P, which is the state health insurance program. 
and this is a, a free program where they can answer questions for you. Now, they're not going to tell you which policy to buy, but they'll help you understand what you need to know when you're making a choice. So there are experts out there who can help you. Some of them are free. Some of them cost money. The advisor that we used, he didn't charge a fee, but the, pay, the, the fee that we paid to buy the insurance, he kept a part of that. That's just the way that, that works. Um, and right. I was perfectly happy with that because I felt like he deserved what he got to help us choose the right policies. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. This is something I've never thought about. And I'm realizing <laughs> it, um, I'm, I'm very glad to hear about these resources and just the approach you took. Uh, so I want to ask about how you managed your exit on the work front, given that you loved your job and you, you were involved in the formation of, of Next Avenue, very fully, fully all in committed um, to the organization. Did you think through some sort of succession plan? Uh, was there already some sort of succession uh, protocol established uh, and how did you manage that process uh, in as far as your work was concerned? Um, so there was no succession protocol and process, but I wanted to give my employer enough time to find replacements for me. I didn't want to leave them on the hook. And so I told them in November that I was planning to leave in early January. And I was hoping that they would be able to find a replacement for me as managing editor and a replacement for me as the money and work editor before I left on January 4th. Um, and I suggested that I thought my colleague um, would be a great managing editor for the site. And I was really delighted to see that they agreed and they hired her, to, they, they gave her that position uh, as well. So she's now doing that. And that started before I left. So I thought that was terrific. Um, they are in the process of interviewing people for the money and work editor's job. Uh, and I'm sure they'll find somebody great, but they haven't found anybody yet. Um, and because I knew that was a possibility, I had a lot of stories assigned and some of them edited so that they would be ready to roll after I left and I wouldn't be leaving anybody in the lurch. And so quite a few of my money and work stories have been published since I left that I had worked on just to have them ready for them. And then others I hadn't edited yet, but I'd gone worked with the writer to the point where they were ready for the, the managing editor to take the story over for me and basically just sort of upload it into this into the server. So I feel like I, I did all I could do to help them, but you know it's up to the employer to actually do the hiring, obviously. Right. Wow. That was a lot of care and work and planning that you put into making that process as smooth as possible. Do you think they were surprised when you told them in November or is this something you'd been sort of hinting or kind of having general discussions about for like an extended period and then finally it came around? Well, I have not hinted about it and I don't recommend people do because I worry that if you give your employer even the remote sense that, that you're not all in, that you might be thinking about leaving soon, unless you want to have a conversation with them about a phased retirement where you work for them, you know, less than five days a week um, and, and gradually retire, um, I wouldn't recommend saying, you know, I'm thinking about retiring soon and I'll let you know when, because I think at that point, the alarm bells go off in the employer's mind and they start thinking, well, gee, I wonder how serious that person is about this job. And maybe we ought to think about replacing them now. So I didn't say anything. Um, I have to assume that they knew at, at some point I would leave because everybody does eventually. <laughs> uh, right. 
and that I've been there 10 years, and quite a few of my colleagues have come and gone over the years. I was the last person left on the original team. So I have to think that they didn't find it completely out of the blue, but maybe didn't were a little surprised on when. Um, but because of that, I, I felt like giving them enough notice at least would keep them from feeling, oh my goodness, what are we going to do now? You know, we're in a terrible crisis. I didn't want that to happen. So I felt like I did all I could do looking out for them, but also looking out for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. It seems like you did everything right on the financial side, on the managing uh, the, the succession on the work side. I'm wondering, um, do you have generally any specific tips for our audience uh, in terms of preparing for, for retirement or unretirement or, or financial strategy that you haven't already talked about? And also, looking back on it, is there anything that you would have done differently than, than what you ended up doing? Well, I'll start with the first question, and then I'll go to the second. Um, and I will preface it by saying, I'm not sure I did everything right. And I'm sure there are going to be surprises that I'm not expecting that are not always going to be pleasant, but that's life. Um, but I do feel like I did some things right. And my advice, I guess, for people who are thinking about doing something similar to what I'm doing is to first think about what you want to retire to. So imagine what you think your life would be like and what you want it to be like um, in retirement. Uh, my wife used a phrase that I thought was great, which is to... to Take the Marie Kondo attitude. What what gives you joy? And try to spend as much time in your retirement on things that give you joy and don't do the things that don't give you joy. And now you can't do that all the time. There are always gonna be things we have to do that don't give us joy. But but I have been able to say no to some things that I thought, you know what, I could do that job and I'm sure I could do it oh fine, but I don't think I want to. And so um, I, I've given myself permission to do that. Um, I do think it's important for people to really seriously take a look at their finances. And if you have a financial advisor, meet with your advisor. If you don't have one, find one and just say, you know, can I afford to do this? You know, and how should I do it? And and that includes things like, well, when should I start taking Social Security? And if I'm going to get a pension, when should I start taking that? You know, just sort of get test yourself to be sure that you're not making a terrible blunder financially, even though you know this is what you want to do emotionally and psychologically. Um, and then I would say, try to create a schedule for yourself. Now, I don't mean a schedule where you have um, planned out every hour of the day, every day of the week, because then you are not retired at all. Um, but I do think having a, I, I put out my, for myself a two-week calendar day by day. And when I look at it, there are big chunks of those, some of those days with nothing happening. And other times where I have things planned, like being interviewed for your podcast. Um, and I'm happy with that. And I like that right now. Um, and I feel like it's a good mix. And I, I'm careful that I don't want to find that all those days are awful filled up. But I'm also nervous about the days when I look at the calendar and there's nothing happening. I don't want that either. So I feel like I want something in between. And I think everybody needs to figure out what's best for them. What, what kind of schedule do they want? Some people will probably want to be less busy than, than I do. And some people may be more busy. And you know, you have to decide what makes sense for you. Yeah. Oh, and any regret? I don't think I have any regrets yet, but maybe if we talk in a few months, I'll have one. <laughs> I hope not. I mean, it sounds like everything you're doing is, is so well thought out. You, you know, um, I did talk to someone who retired and, and they said for them, it was a little bit of a wake up call. Once they were retired, they said they woke one day, they said, wow, it's a, it's Wednesday at 11 o'clock. What am I doing? And then that was enough of an impetus to 
um, get them thinking, you know, I have to, I have to figure out something that I really want to do. And the person ended up teaching a course at a university, which, which is something that he's still doing today. So um, sometimes you don't have that plan right away. You see that emptiness on the calendar. And then all of a sudden you're in a position to um, figure out how you want to spend that time. You know, Rich, I love how you talk about um, giving yourself permission to say no. Because I think that's really important. Uh, and saying no is as important as saying yes. And sometimes it might be hard because maybe people are, are all of a sudden thinking, oh, well, Rich has, must have a lot of time on his hands now. Let's see if he's going to um, be able to head up our organization now, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. Well, and also when you spend your career, you know, usually saying yes, because that's what you need to do when you're an employee, or even if you're running your own business. But typically as an employee, you, know, you have assignments and you take them. Um, it's hard for to be in a position where you are allowed to say no to things. And it's a little scary and, and uncomfortable a little bit. But, you know, I think you just have to sort of get used to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing I mentioned, I forgot to mention is since I've been unretired, I've started looking at at classes to take and sometimes they're classes to learn new skills like i'm i've signed up to on a voiceover artist class because maybe that might be something i might want to do part-time or maybe not but i just thought it might be fun to see what that's all about um but i'm taking a class in simon and garfunkel because i'm curious to learn more about them um and uh and i was lucky enough to uh have the time to watch some of the films at the Sundance Film Festival that I probably wouldn't have been able to do before, but they're virtual and I had the time, so I did that. So I would tell people not only to look for opportunities for work and volunteering, but look for opportunities for fun and to try things that you've never done before and just see what they're like. Yeah, I love that advice. And there are so many resources out there now, and especially virtually and online, and you can uh, take them at any time of the day or night. So you have a lot of uh, freedom there too. Rich, I want to um, wind up now, and I want to ask you about your own retirement, having only been, as you said, three weeks into it. And I want to know, is how's it going? And how is it what you imagine it was going to be in the first few weeks? Uh, I'd say it's going pretty well, and I'd say it's going pretty much as I expected. Um, you know, it's a, it's, I, I tell people that it's a combination of freeing and scary, and I think that's, that's pretty accurate, um, and I'm okay with that. Um, I'm hoping that it'll get less scary, but stay freeing, but we'll see over time. Um, but, you know, so far, so good. Um, one of the things my wife and I are going to do in February is spend the month in Los Angeles. Our, we have two grown sons who live there. They both got married in the pandemic. One of them got married in, at a wedding that we weren't able to go to because we couldn't travel there. Um, so I'm eager to get out of the New Jersey winter and spend some time to see my sons and their wives. And and we're going to go to Palm Springs for Modernism Weekend to learn a little bit about mid-century modern architecture um, and in California. The weather is good enough that you can eat outside in restaurants. We like to eat at restaurants, but we haven't gone to any in a long time. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, and I'm going to be doing work from there. I'm, I'm bringing my computer and I'm bringing my papers and, and I have assignments already. So I won't be completely lounging, although I hope to do some lounging. Right. That all sounds fabulous. Every piece of it sounds sounds 
wonderful. So I hope you have an incredible time. Uh, I just, as we're um, ending, I want to know if um, we can talk to you about the question we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? Um, I would say to be public on social media and through networking about where you are in life and what you are thinking about doing and what what things you might be interested in. Um, you know, more and more you're seeing people on social media saying, I'm looking for this kind of a job or I would love to do this kind of volunteering or I'm available. And, you know, when you've got people who know you, they'll start re responding and say, you know what, oh, I think I know something that might be good for you, or I know somebody who might be helpful. And, and same thing on LinkedIn. You know, there, there's no shame or stigma anymore in saying you're looking for new opportunities, for new work, part-time, full-time. And the more you let people know that you're looking, the more you're going to hear from people about things that might be of interest to you. That's excellent advice for people at all stages, uh, launching careers, relaunching careers, uh, re retiring or unretiring. So Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. It was wonderful to speak with you. Well, thank you, Carol. Lots of luck. And thanks for listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss return to work strategies, advice, and success stories. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the CEO and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.